Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network. The Best Ever You Show is here to help you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. With this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. And now, here is your host, Elizabeth. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show today. I'd like to just um, start off because I know these guys have um, some timing issues. We need to make sure we're on time today and don't keep them forever like I love to keep my guests on and on and on. Um, but uh, we've got Charles Stevens and Will Sue with us. And um, this show right now is going to take me completely out of my comfort zone and so I'm praying that they both do most of the talking. It's going to be one of those rare things where you hear me probably be very quiet so I don't destroy all the names of the countries that they've biked to and from and <laughs> all the things that are not American about this, um, but are because we're, we're bringing this to you. So um, they're going to they're gonna help me out with uh, some of the pronunciation and some of the things they've done, and um, this is really cool. Um, you guys, are you both there? Yeah, hi, Elizabeth. Perfect. Hi. Thank you so much for, for dialing in. What time is it there, and where are you calling in from? Um, I'm, calling in yeah. I'm calling in from Scotland. Awesome. And Will? Yeah, and I'm calling from Bath in England. So, yeah. Two places I've never been, want to be. It'd be so <laughs> cool to be there. Now, have you guys had have you guys had the privilege of being in the in the U.S. also? Well, I'm I'm half American. My mother's from uh, originally New York, and then um, cool. and then went down to Miami. So I'm I'm um, I'm in America quite a lot. So love America. Cool. But no, I I haven't been yet. But um, it's definitely next on my list to visit. So. Okay, so you know yeah, the feeling yeah. where you haven't been somewhere and don't know every single thing you're talking about and all that stuff. You guys could help me out here. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. what did, yeah. Um, and and we'll just do a format of maybe who who likes to do most of the talking, Charles or Will, or both. Uh, Charles is more of a talker. <laughs> well, how about if we just try and like trade off between you guys with maybe Charles starting first, so we aren't all talking all over each other because I can't see you guys either. Um, Charles, do you want to just start off and, and tell the audience what you guys did? Because it's so cool. Yeah, so um, as of well, as of September, um, about a month ago pretty much today, we arrived back from cycling the Silk Road from Beijing to Tehran. So it's a, it was a 10,000-kilometer, nine-country-long exploit um, that took us through some of the most remote and least discovered parts of the world, also some of the most hostile regions of the world, so deserts, mountain ranges, um, the, the the whole lot and um, and yeah I mean the aim the aim was twofold the aim was to become the two youngest people ever to do that which is currently being filed with the Guinness Book of World Records at the moment um, and at the same time try and raise enough money for the school in Ghana that we've been supporting in order to keep it open. Um, well, how old are you guys? Um, so we're both nineteen. I'm a few months younger than Charles, but no, we we've. We um we were in the same year at school together, which is how we know each other. So yeah. So awesome. So I'm 47, and I'm a mom of four boys, and they're 12, wow. 19, 17, and 15. <laughs> and I can't. I'm picturing this. I can't imagine if they said, "Mom, you know what we want to do? We want to bike and raise money <laughs> and in a foreign country and do all this stuff." <laughs> Tell me, just give me the parent reaction to. I mean, when you first of all, how'd you come up with the idea, and boy, what did your parents do? Um, so the, yeah, the parents um, put it this way: it took about a year of persuading to try and I wouldn't say get them on side, but to get them just about agreeing to the idea. Um, <laughs> so it was it was a, it was a long battle, but um, you know, they 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 came around to the idea, and um, you know, on the basis that we we prepared and planned for it sufficiently, which we did. So. Um, so now it all it all it all worked out well. And how'd you guys come up with the idea? Um, well, originally we we planned actually a bigger trip. We we wanted to do something uh, starting in London, but um, 
because we we basically uh, I don't know if it's the same in the US, but a lot of people take gap years now. So in between um, the end of school and beginning university, get a year off and uh, people go traveling, yeah, do, do some work, stuff like that. Yeah. So um, we didn't want to just do a boring gap year, basically. And um, Charles came up with the crazy idea of cycling across um, a continent. And um, I was the only person silly enough to join him. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how we ended up doing it. Now, now, now I'm a parent, of course, here. I told you that already. Now, did your parents, like, subtly follow, like, you know, slightly behind you in the car or anything fun? <laughs> <laughs> How'd that work? I mean, yeah. did they, you know, were they biking behind you or I mean, did you guys just literally go on your own? Uh, no, so, so the, no, they weren't, they weren't behind us by any means. They, um, they were, they, they were calling, they were calling anxiously, um, you know, from, uh, from the UK when, 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 when we got, when we got signal, but it was, it was part of a it was part of an organized expedition um so the reason that we could do it so quickly so four four months of cycle length that we did is 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 very very quick and that's because we didn't have to carry our stuff so we had some basic support through a company called TDA Global Cycling um that do crazy sort of crazy trips um you know in the cycling terms equivalent of things like Everest and ultra marathons and I don't know, rowing across oceans and things. And one of their trips they do every couple of years is the Silk Road. Um, and us and probably, well, how many? Probably about 16 others signed up for them. Some of them do this sort of on a semi-professional basis. Um, you know, one guy there, Mike, who, who we got quite close to, was the first um, Kiwi ever to kite ski to the South Pole and back. So we were we were really the puppies of the trip. Um no, there were some really, really quite amazing people there, but um, yeah, all of them were very determined, very tenacious. So it was, um, it was a good group to be with. Definitely. Now, um, how do you guys know each other? Have you known each other for a super long time, or or where'd you meet? Um, all that stuff. Yeah, well, we've known each other for the last five years, but um, uh, we went to boarding school together, so um, we've we've had to live with each other for five years. Um, so we ended up being close friends. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how it started really. And are you both athletes? Um, <laughs> or are you now an athlete after this? Were you both athletes? athletes you can't. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're probably, we're, we're probably both been in worse shape before. Let's put it that way. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I know, well, me personally, I've always enjoyed racket sports. I've always played a lot of squash, a lot of tennis. Um, and I've always liked doing sort of challenging things like running half marathons, um, you know, cy- long-distance cycling, um, climbing in, in in the UK and also in places like the Himalayas. And, um, you know, Will, Will too did, did, did things like that, which I'm sure he can tell you about. Yeah, and, well, I... I did rowing for quite a few years, so that definitely helps with fitness. But I mean, I'd never done anything on this scale before, and I think no matter how much preparation you do, um, fitness-wise, I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna prepare you for everything that comes your way on this trip. So, although it definitely helps being in shape and being athletic, but I don't think it's I don't think it's hugely important on a trip like this. Yeah. What was the what was the best thing that happened on the trip? <laughs> Getting to Tehran, finishing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, okay. How about the second best thing? <laughs> what, what some, having, what's something that just completely surprised home. you that you you know weren't expecting or you know that turned out so cool? Um, uh, I would say well, why don't you answer it? Yeah, well, I mean, I would I would say the people along the way. Um, it was just, it was surprising and, and a welcome surprise that everyone was so friendly along the way. And I think all the strangers that we met who were so welcoming, they really helped make the trip. And um, especially in Iran, actually, at the end. So uh, we found the people to be the friendliest we'd, we'd met along the whole route. Um, and one instance... That, that we we laughed about um, was when we were, we were cycling down a down a highway um, at going sort of like I don't know 20 miles an hour or something um, 
and this car just slows down next to us, winds down the window, and and a, an arm hands a, hands a bag of apples to us, and then just drives off without even saying anything to us. That's awesome. And it was just, <laughs> just small things like that, which which really, I know, made the trip for me. I think. You can't plan for that. Now, um, fear will stop many right in their tracks from even starting. Were you afraid? Were both of you afraid? Did you ever think, mm, we better not do this? Or kids are a little bit more fearless, <laughs> I find. <laughs> um, not that you're I kids, mean, but you know what I mean? To me, you're, you know, you're my no, kids, no, like, but you know, really. te- teenagers are a little bit less fearless than adults. Like an adult might be like, mm, I better mm. not do that. <laughs> well, I think I think it is. I think it is a big. It's it's a leap in the dark in the sense that you're doing something which, you know, most people our age of any age don't do. You're doing something which is physically and psychologically and in an emotional sense too hugely demanding. Um, you know, after cycling for 30 days, still knowing that you have 90 days to go, um, and the end's not in sight, and you're getting up at 4:30 in the morning cycling for seven, eight hours, and that's really your day is, is at times quite demoralizing, particularly if it's a bad day. Um, but no, I think there, there, there is fear of the unknown, but we, I mean, I think as Will said, it was never of the people. That was never the thing that, that there was fear of. The fear was of, I don't know, the, the, the weather being really bad, it being really hot, really cold. Sometimes it was of the drivers. Um, you know, one of, one of the biggest fears actually was, was bad drivers. We had an instance in Iran where um, there was a car crash about 20 meters behind us, um, and the car actually turned over. There was a big, big pile of dust, and we had to cycle back to go and help the guy um, and roll over his car. And you know, thankfully, he didn't sustain any major injuries. But no, I think with these things, like anything, you've just got to give it a go, give it a try. And the, I mean, what what success in these things comes down to mostly is your mental attitude and how you approach and how you approach it. So I think for anyone, if they're interested in things like that talk to people who have done things like that. We're always happy to talk. And, yeah, get out there and give it a go. Maybe start small and build up your confidence. And how do you – so um, explain what – for somebody listening who might not know what it is, give us a visual and explain what the Silk Road is. And they teach us that in history class and things like that and in college and so forth here. But people listening, you know, if there's any, if there's any younger people listening who – we have a big teen audience too. Um, just explain to us what that is. It's the Silk Road. Well, yeah, Charles is the historian, so I'll let him explain. Um, so the, the Silk Road is, is, I mean, it's something that's, that's you know, re- always fascinated me. So that was one of the things that prompted prompted the trip. But it's essentially um, a connection and network of trade paths based on sort of economic connections throughout. Eurasia that spanned originally from China to uh, the Mediterranean and it throughout the Middle Ages and the ancient period and in some cases even today it connects the whole of Eurasia via trade so with um, you know materials silk um, pottery gold silver all these things that's why it's called the Silk Road because people traded um, you know Chinese merchants would go on their caravans with silk from originally Xi'an or around there to um, places like Italy and exchange things for spices and things like that. But um, it, it's a misunderstood term in that it's not a linear road. It's more of a network that connects lots of different places and doesn't really have a start and end point. You know, the Silk Road could equally be Samarkand to Bukhara, which are two famous Silk Road cities in the middle of Uzbekistan, as much as it could be Beijing to Tehran, which we did. Do you, um, what's your next adventure? Do you think you'll have another one? I personally definitely think I'll be doing more adventures after this. Because, um, yeah, as I said, I'd never done something like this before, but um, it's made me realize that you, they're, not, they're not impossible as long as you plan for them and just get on with it and do it. So um, I'm not entirely sure what's next i mean maybe some some slightly easier cycling in europe um or um maybe some road trips um by car yeah we'll see do you um, yeah, um... I, I, don't worry i know i'm pretty much along the same lines of will um 
yeah, I'd lo- love to do some more stuff, but definitely, definitely feeling like I need a break at the moment. Still recovering, to be honest. Oh, I bet, yeah. And when you do think about that, um, has the experience, I, you're both on the phone together, uh, but when you think about doing things in the future, do you say, okay, we're going to team up again and do this? Or are you like, okay, you know, four months with you is enough, buddy. <laughs> you know? how's, the, how's the friendship after doing something like that? Well, we haven't actually um, we haven't actually talked about whether we're going to do another trip together, but um, I think four months is definitely a long time to spend with someone. <laughs> not, um, but no, I I did definitely enjoy doing it with Charles. So I I would definitely be up for doing another trip. Now, yeah, um, you go. It's Will, right? You go on, Elizabeth. You yeah, you go, Elizabeth. Uh. I was just curious too. Um, you guys picked a, uh, a charity with uh, there was a, a charitable component to this as well. So you guys just didn't you know get on your bikes and ride and all that stuff. You did it for a reason. And I was just wondering if you could tell us about the charity and how much money you raised, and also if you have a way of putting that in U.S. dollars to somebody listening here doesn't have to do all the math. <laughs> Yeah, um no no, well thank you for asking. Uh, and yeah, it was one of the one of the major things that prompted prompted this challenge in the first place. So originally in 2013 Will and I and other friends we went out to Ghana to help at the school which um we taught at and um you know h- helped with. Um absolutely loved it. The kids were amazing. Um amazing place and we went back last September in 2015. Um really enjoyed it again but we realized that the school was running out of funding um and this was this would mean that it was a threat at closing down um and we had both developed pretty close connections with the school um you know we knew we knew the children pretty well on a personal level too and it was quite heartbreaking to think that these kids who were from 4 to 14 years old would either not be at school or would have to go to a school that would be miles and miles away and would probably be very difficult to go to, which would mean that in practice they wouldn't go to school. So, no, we, we, we sort of made it our mission to try and raise enough money to, to, to keep to keep the school going. So I think we're both we're both absolutely thrilled that we're at the moment we've raised thirty one thousand, just over thirty one thousand pounds. So that's oh that's I don't know what that is on the current exchange rate, but that's it's probably around probably not worth very much anymore. <laughs> yeah, not 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 much at the moment. Um, but no, so we're we're we've passed our fundraising target. But any any penny that's or any uh, dime that can be spared goes you know goes a long way. And if you're interested, you can go to our website BeijingToTuran dot com uh, where there's a uh, donation button, or you can go to Just Giving and type in Beijing to Tehran Charity Cycle. If you type in Beijing to Tehran Charity Cycle on Google, you'll get a lot of results with the trip. There's about five pages of them, so you won't miss it. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely here, and there's really cool pictures of you guys with your bikes. And um, do you guys are you are you going to college? I, I don't know where you're at in that. Uh, so this is a year off between what we would call it here is like high school and college. Um, you guys had boarding school, and then do you guys go? Are you going to go to college in the U.S. or over there? Or how, how's that work? How's that work? Yeah, well, we're both currently at university now, so. Um... <coughs> Uh, I'm at Bath University and Charles is at St Andrews. But um, uh, actually, Charles only had something like 24 hours at home, I think, was it, before you went to university? <laughs> it was stressful. <laughs> so you um, okay? And so no, what? No. Well, what school are you at? Um, Bath University. Okay, got it. That's, mm. that's great. And what are you guys studying? I'm studying um, history. I'm doing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm That's reading okay. history up up in Scotland at St Andrews. Yeah, and I'm doing uh, international development and economics. Nice. Did you guys um, have you always had a had a? Um, you know how sometimes kids kids don't care about charities or other people or you know they, they just kind of sometimes kids are just kids and they're focused on their stuff and their friends and everything. Have you guys always had a, a cause type charitable um, component to to yourselves? 
seems like you're very aware. Um. Well, I can't. I can't speak to Will, but I imagine it. I imagine it's pretty much the same. Yeah, we're both. Um. You know, I think. I think like 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 you. I'm sure in the states. You know, we're both very lucky to. You know, live in in prosperous Western countries where, to be honest, compared to a lot of places, life is relatively easy. Um, and I, I find this trip. This trip is really. I mean, it really brings it home where. You know, you're driving on roads which are, or you're, in our case, cycling on roads which are, which are absolute crap. You're, you know, there's not electricity sometimes because there isn't any. You can't drink the water because it's not clean. And just all these little basic things that we take for granted, um, and many people unfortunately don't have. Is, um, yeah, I, I think has made has made me suddenly feel quite grateful for, you know, for the opportunities and, um, you know, the, the the privileges that I have. So yeah, it's always I've always found it nice to give just to give a bit back. Can one of you um, on your blog? I love this blog because I, you know, I I spend a lot of time thinking about exactly what you just said. How sort of lucky we have it, and how grateful I am. And I see things on TV, and um, I I don't know if I see things firsthand. Maybe like you guys have seen sort of, but you see things on TV, and you and you just cringe and think, wow, children shouldn't have to go through that, or people shouldn't have to go through that. And, you know, all, all sorts of atrocities all over the place, and. Um, I love your blog because you you talk about some of these things. Do, does one of you sort of want to take that and, and just elaborate sure. a little bit? Um, yeah. So I'm um, no. So I mean, I was. I mean, Will, Will was responsible for the pictures. So he, you know, he did he did a lot of the photographing. So, um, but I spent I spent a lot of the time writing and and doing the blog. Um, so no, I am. Um, you know, I, I I was interested in you know exploring the culture and the history and you know those things that you just talked about. Um, and yeah, there's just um, yeah, I, I I just found that there were there were definitely instances along the way where you go, gosh, um, you know, I'm 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 pretty lucky, aren't I? Um, so I mean, I, I don't I don't know in what way you would like me to expand, but uh, no, that was definitely one thing I discussed. Maybe tell us about some of the things that you saw. Like in a particular okay, sure. place, or um, what you what you went through. Okay, so I would say one of the one of the um, hardest hardest um, trials of the trip. Although there were there were many, it was sort of a never ending thing. But um, within seven days of getting out of China, we got into the Gobi Desert. Um, it's one of the it's one of the sort of harshest, largest deserts in the world. Um, and it's a cold desert too, which a lot of people don't realise. So you get temperatures there that go down to minus forty. Um, and we were lucky in that we were spared that. Um, but we did we did have a period of about five days um, where we had ten hours cycling plus per day because we had gale force winds blowing in our face. Um, you know, there's no shops. The landscape is monotonous. Um, we got caught in sandstorms in two days. Um, Will wasn't wearing leg warmers, so his legs got shredded. Um, I was more lucky. Yeah. Um, you wake up in your tent and you've got sand in your eyes, your ears, your sleeping bag. Um, everything itches, everything scratches. Um, you don't want to get out your phone or your camera because it does break. My, um, not my camera, my, my computer actually broke. Um, so yeah, um, there, there was another day where it was raining and both of us were developing mild hypothermia. We were we were unable to change gears because our hands were so cold. Um, so no, I mean there was there was points during the trip where you just gotta you just gotta keep going and you don't know necessarily what <laughs> why or you know what you're going towards and you just have to think of the charity and why you're doing this and why it matters. But yeah, I think I think um, it, it was it was. Um, yeah, it was it was a time that was very very tough, but there was also some great times. Mhm. Um, I'm gonna I want to keep going here on the on the descriptions of things. Can I don't know whether people say Iran, <coughs> Iran or Iran. <laughs> um, I mm-hmm. I just find myself saying it both ways, um, and it sort of depends on where you're from. But could you describe um, a little bit of that part of the trip? Yeah, well, I mean, as we already said, the the people were amazing, but um, uh, the place itself, uh, it's quite varied, actually. So we sort of arrived into a more deserty place with mountains, and then um, we passed into one of their national parks, 
um, at a one stage we were cycling through sort of jungle and stuff, um, which is quite interesting. But it was probably one of the more populated countries we've visited, um, and we we began to see a lot more a lot more towns, a lot more people, um, a lot more going on in general, um, which was actually quite a nice change for once. Um, and then cycling into Tehran was probably some of the scariest cycling I've done. Um, it's, it's a huge city of, uh, I'm not sure how many million people, but it's a big city, um, with crazy roads. So that was, um, it was quite, um, a challenging end, uh, to the trip and probably one of the more dangerous stretches actually. Um, but it's, I mean, Tehran is just like uh, similar to most um, most Middle Eastern cities or, or any city really. It's very diverse, like lots of different sorts of people. Um, and I know in the West we hear a lot about Iran, a lot of it negative. But um, from what we saw, and from what we experienced, we we didn't see any of the the bad things that go on, and we only yeah, experienced kindness from all the people. So yeah, it was yeah. it was a great experience. Okay, this might be the dumbest question ever, but how do you know where <laughs> you're going? Oh, that's uh, no, it's not a dumb question at all. Um, so I'm <laughs> so so labeled like the... you're on the road, you're on the right path, guys. Keep going. You know how's that? How's everything? How do you know where you are? <laughs> so a combination, a combination of a Garmin. I don't know if if you have Garmin's in the states, but they're basically yeah. um, GPS computers. Um, mm-hmm. That, that I had, so uh, you know I could use that to make sure that we were we were heading in the right direction. Um, then maps too, of course, asking people, um, and yeah, just um, you know, just uh, just 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 being sensible and taking taking things slowly, not not rushing into things. If you think you're going the wrong way, just take your time, have a look at your at your notes or at your at your Garmin, and take it slowly. Don't rush because if you do, you may be cycling an extra hundred kilometers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's talk about food. What did what did you guys eat? I'm I'm guessing there you know wasn't a McDonald's every ten feet. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, well, part of the um, expedition was that we got um, we had a breakfast and dinner made for us, which made life a lot easier. So um, we get a hot meal in the evening, which um, they'd have to just use local ingredients that they could find that day. So um, we, we actually kept a running tally on the trip, and I think we had um, something like 10 different proteins whilst we were on the trip, um, including uh, horse in Mongolia, which is one of their local foods. So not everyone was keen on eating horse, but um, it was the uh, only meat around. So. Did you eat that? No. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I did. I, I tried it, it actually. I'm, <laughs> no, mm. I'm normally quite adventurous with my food, but horses are are one of my favorite animals, so I wasn't keen, but um, I don't know. It's I suppose it's just like any other meat in the end. Um, but, uh, um, no, there was definitely lots of interesting food there, and um, uh, we we tried all the local delicacies, some of which we weren't so keen on, but, um, no, it was, it was interesting. Um. I'm, I'm going to keep looking at your blog here a little bit. I'm I'm fascinated by all the things that you saw and did. And could could one of you take the you have a blog called the Silk Road Revived, the new Silk Road Part One and Part Two. I don't know if you yes. have this memorized or anything like that, but could could yeah, you talk yeah, yeah. about what you've written here? Okay, yeah, of course. So um, as I said, the 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 Silk Road is a historical concept that goes back thousands of years, and um, China, as of 2012, introduced something called the New Silk Road Initiative. Um, and I think that it's going to be an epoch-making initiative. It's basically China's attempt in a geopolitical and economic sense to connect a lot of the Central Asian countries, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, um, those places, even in Iran to Mongolia, um, to China's sphere of influence. So what we're seeing is China projecting a lot of money into these countries. They've invested $50 billion, $50 billion in infrastructure projects in Central Asia. 
They're connecting gas pipelines, oil pipelines. Um, as of February this year, there was um, the first train ever to go from Beijing to Tehran, um, bringing it with it, bringing with it um, Samsungs and, and something else I can't remember. Um, so it's a very, very, very interesting time in um, in in the in the, both the political and, and and economic situations in these countries. And what we're basically seeing is through these economic initiatives, I think increasing stability being brought to these regions, or at least that's what I hope, by being connected to, um, you know, China's growing prosperity. So by China injecting money into these countries, what I hope to see is that these countries will get richer too, people will be more prosperous. Um, and yeah, life, li- and life, will, life will improve. But it's, um, it's an incredibly interesting time. But of course, with it comes globalization, industrialization and tourism. And with that comes, um, you know, a destruction of the, of the of the of the cultural authenticity of these countries, and they are they are culturally unique, particularly places like Mongolia, where over 50% of the people live a nomadic style of life. That means that they move houses about seven times a year. I mean, I haven't moved house seven times in my life, and I think very few most people move houses about seven times in their life. These people move houses seven times in a year. Um, Isn't that wild? So, I saw that on on TV on a some type of historical special, and my jaw dropped. Yeah, it's 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 quite amazing. Um, so I mean, my so I mean, although it's not and in some ways not related to to you know the New Silk Road, but what we are seeing through this right. New Silk Road is both um, you know greater economic prosperity being brought to these countries, but also a change in their in their in their in their cultures and. If this is a part of the world which you think anyone listening might be remotely interested interested in, go and see it now because, unfortunately, it's not going to be it's not going to be like this forever. And it's an amazing place, amazing people, um, absolutely stunning in places. Um, no, it's it, it's it's really um, it's a really very special part of the world. It sounds like it. Um, jazz. It sounds like you guys got to experience jasmine. Isn't Jasmine the coolest smell in the world? <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was our second day cycling actually, and we, we were cycling along this quiet country road, just surrounded by jasmine trees, and you could smell it. It was so nice. <laughs> yeah, Jasmine's um, yeah, I um I. Yeah, I was raised in Iowa, and uh, you know that's about as far as jasmine. You know, but no. <laughs> And so um, when I moved to California, they have jasmine there. I was like, wow, that's that's a really cool um, tree and plant and smell and everything. I love the smell of jasmine. So that's that's cool. I'm looking at your blog clearly, but yeah, um, that's that's awesome. What about um, what I want to ask you guys is um, this is just totally this is a parent question. Um, you guys sound so smart. <laughs> you both like. <laughs> Seriously, um, I would. I don't know if I could put my two oldest boys on the phone and, or have them do something like this or anything. And that's and they're pretty smart kids. You guys sound kind of genius, brilliant. Like, are you both like scholar A student type guys? You sound. You both sound um, really brilliant to me. Oh, you you're very kind, Elizabeth. Thank you. No, we're both. Um... No, we're both we're, we're we're both hard workers, and I mean we're 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 both bright. But there's definitely there's definitely kids out there who are brighter than us. But um, yeah, you That's know I guess scary. it's about making. <laughs> really? Just <laughs> <laughs> when you think you're smart, you find somebody smarter, huh? Oh, it's funny. It always is that way, <laughs> no, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. But no, we 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 get by, and um, you know, I bet a while make 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 the best with what you have, and. Yeah, it's it's amazing what you can achieve with that. Yeah, definitely. And clearly, some someone has the passion to write. Who is that writing all this? Is that is that Charles that's writing? Yes. Oh well, I can't remember. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And and the and the photography is gorgeous. Um, on your blog, which is um, Beijing to Tehran, um, dot com, there's a gallery of pictures, and so I'm I'm really hoping that people go here and I'll post a I've got a link posted but I'll, I was trying to post some of these pictures too. Um is this just like a like an iPhone or is this a camera, like a camera camera? Um it's a mixture really. Um 
I started off the trip using just iPhone and Charles um, had sort of like a compact camera. But um, along the way, I decided to buy a proper camera because I don't know, I was, I was really enjoying the photography aspect and thought um, I'd try and get some better photos. So towards the end, it's, it's using a, a big like DSLR camera. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, photography was gorgeous was yeah a mixture of both of us yeah which you've put on an instagram so what's your instagram Mm. because instagram is super popular i know my kids wish i would get off of instagram (laughs) (laughs) yeah our our username's um at bike tripping um or just search beijing to tehran and we'll we'll turn up um yeah gotcha and are you guys on snapchat also no Snapchat, unfortunately. Um, no, Twitter, Twitter. Um, we 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 have we have Twitter. Um, and that's bike at bike tripping one. Um, but yeah, no. So we um we we we've got we've got um a few social uh, social media platforms. But um maybe on your advice, Elizabeth, we'll have to set up Snapchat. That'll yeah. probably <laughs> be really popular with everybody your age group. I'm I would bet because I know for sure I'm banned from that one. So it's the right age for you guys. My kids are like, Mom, there's no Snapchat for you. I'm like, okay, I'll 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 mind on that one. Um, okay, so I'm yeah, I'm scrolling then, through your Instagram. What'd you say? No, just the problem with Snapchat would have been that I mean, most of the way we didn't have internet, so <laughs> probably yeah. Um, like with Instagram, we were sort of posting every sort of five days when we when we managed to get Wi-Fi, so it it was. That was the trickiest thing, I think. Yeah, this is um, this is some really hard biking. So I'm scrolling through your Instagram. Do you, um, I don't know. Do you have a favorite picture, or a bunch of favorite pictures, or well, that's probably hard to do on the radio. But um, so um, oh, I, I think one of my favorite pictures was um maybe taken, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, Devaza gas crater, or it's known as the the gates of hell. Basically, this um, gas um, drilling operation <clears throat> um, in Turkmenistan, and it collapsed in the 1970s. Um, and what the Soviet engineers did was they set the gas on fire, hoping it would burn off within a couple of weeks. But <coughs> It's been burning for 40 years so far. Um, so you can wow. go and visit it, stand on the edge of this 70-meter-wide crater, which is just its just a burning hole, and it's a really interesting, weird place to visit. But uh, the faces of that were pretty cool. Yeah, those are neat. I see, I see those too. Uh, what about language-wise? Were there language barriers here? Yeah, I mean that was that was always a challenge communicating to people. Um, you know, when you can't when you can't speak the language is 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 very difficult. Um, so no, communi- communication was difficult. But when we were when we were talking to people or trying to get things what you want when you want in a shop per se or on the road, I mean, um, you know, gestures in themselves, um, you know, speak speak widely, smiling at someone or pointing at someone or frowning or putting your hands up or making some elaborate gesture um a pretty a pretty effective to be honest um yeah especially when you have nothing else to go on or on the road i mean um you know gestures in themselves smiling at hello yep we got you still super um so yeah no um someone else it was um it, yeah sorry I think there's a bit of there's a bit of feedback coming through. There was yeah. Did it go away? Okay. Yeah I think I think it's gone now. Um, no but um as I was saying pretty much um yeah pretty much just pointing and smiling and some people speak basic English which helps but at times it was um it was very difficult. I remember one time we were in um the Tanshian Mountains in Kyrgyzstan at the top of a 2,500 meter pass. So in American terms, that's about 8,000 feet. <clears throat> and there was a small, there was a small hut there where a family lived in and they invited me in for tea. Um, 
And over the course of about 45 minutes um, of these people spoke absolutely no English, no more English than I spoke Kyrgyz, uh, which is a local language. And through that 45 minutes, we managed to establish um, how many how many brothers and sisters they had, uh, where we were cycling to, and um, that one of them was a twin. <laughs> that was 45 minutes worth of communication. <laughs> funny. Do you have... Do you speak other languages? Do both of you speak um, different languages? Well, I speak a tiny bit of Spanish and French, but that's not particularly helpful in Central Asia. <laughs> no, um, no, not at I all, mean... exactly. Did it inspire you to um, learn? Did something like um, this inspire you to... Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would it would have been a lot nicer to be able to, to engage in a proper conversation with the locals, but then the other problem is, the languages that they know, for example, Mongolian. Um, I've never heard such a difficult language. <laughs> like even yeah. after three weeks there, we we could only manage to say hello and thank you because it was just. I think it's it's sort of like Chinese, where you it's such a different language that it's almost impossible to, for you to um, hear it and be able to repeat it. So it's things like that makes it really difficult. Um, although a lot of them. A lot of the Central Asian countries do speak Russian, so um, if you learned Russian, you'd probably you'd probably be able to get by. You guys have seen something I've always wanted to see in my life, and that's the the terracotta army. Yes, that is, um, the, that, is one of the coolest pictures and coolest things. Can you explain what that is to people? Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the the terracotta army is um is is pretty it's is pretty extraordinary as I'm sure you know. It's um <clears throat> basically a collection of terracotta sculptures. Um I think it was during the first or the Quin the Quin dynasty, um <clears throat> about two thousand years ago. And when the emperor died uh, and was buried, he got <clears throat> this terracotta army buried with him, um and that includes chariots, warriors, horses um, and there's several thousand, there's seven, seven, several thousand terracotta warriors there, and it was discovered by a, um, a Chinese peasant working on the land about 40 years ago. Um, <clears throat> I think it was in the 1970s, and it caused um, it was like the discovery of the Great Pyramids of Giza or Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu in Peru. It was one of these. Um, um, you know, era-making discoveries, and um, it's extraordinary. It, I mean, I remember going in there and seeing lines of thousands, and they haven't even excavated the whole thing. It's huge, but there's these lines of hundreds and hundreds of elaborate warriors, which are all life-size. They're all they're all the size of you and me. Um, each of them with distinct facial expressions and distinct dress, um, and it's quite incredible. I would suggest anyone who's who's in China or thinking about going to go. It's it's amazing. Isn't it just, I, it's hard to even describe. I don't even know how somebody would even make this. I, I'm a, I, my yeah. mind can never wrap itself around it. Was it that kind of experience in person? Or you're just like, wow, how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was vast. And it's just one of those things which... I don't know, seeing something so old, it's sort of hard to imagine it um, in, its, in its time, but it's still amazing, like, for, like, whenever you visit, however old you are, whatever. And, yeah, it was just a cool experience. Yeah. Is there anything else like that that you saw that um, yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through your Instagram? That, that really stuck out. Um, there's a bunch of bunch of things here. I'm, as I'm looking through your Instagram, I'm like, okay, where'd you guys get the bikes? Like, how'd you decide on the bike? Or you just did somebody give you a bike? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be um, a story behind the bikes. <laughs> well, a lot of research, really. But um, it's they're both um, specifically designed for touring. So because um, it's touring, sort of um, in between. I guess you could say in between road bikes and mountain bikes, and that. You want a sturdy bike, but um, they're sort of modern carbon fiber, high-tech racing bikes. They're not, they're hard to repair and complicated to maintain and stuff. So 
touring bikes are, are really just very basic steel framed strong durable bikes and that's what you want when you're on a trip like this so um my i went i've got an american bike actually it's called surly um a surly disc trucker um and charles went for a british brand called condor what was the first thing you guys ate when you got back um to to be honest i can't we'll we'll actually work it out each of us we ate how many how many hundred thousand calories was it uh just under four hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. Oh so we. So, yeah. Think. Think of. Think of that. So over over the course of the trip, we were we ate over four hundred thousand calories each. And to be honest, I've been I've been back for a month now, and I was actually talking to Will about this earlier. Um, eating eating we were eating probably average about six thousand calories a day. Some days we would be eating as much as eight or nine, um, because because of the physical demands. You, your 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 body needs needs as much energy as it can get and the problem was never eating too much the problem was not eating enough so both of us still lost quite a lot of weight despite eating literally as much as we could um <clears throat> but in terms of your question about coming back i've i've just for the last month every single lunch i've had a salad i've had a green salad because i'm so sick of calories um you know, things like that now make me feel sick because I've just eaten so much about it. I mean, imagine smoking, yeah. I don't know, 120 cigarettes in one day. Uh, you probably won't <laughs> feel like a cigarette again for a while. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, but no, I think the first meal I had when I got back, um, I we have this tradition in my family where we always go to the, the local Indian restaurant when we get home from a trip. So that's what that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great idea. It's food. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if you would miss something. You know, like I think if I'd been gone that long, I'd be like, okay, I have to have a chocolate chip cookie or a piece of pizza or yeah. you know something like that. But you know, I I can't I can't picture what you were eating the whole time. So to me, the modern comforts of everything you're used to eating at home would be like, okay, I I need to eat my home food. Um. Yeah, no, no, yeah no, that's yeah. the mom thing, maybe. I don't know. No, no, in in that in that way, I, I completely agree. Um, some of the things I loved to have when I got back, um, I love olives. It was nice to have olives again. Um, yeah. I really enjoy prawn crackers, so I love a good prawn cracker. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the I love small things prawn. which you miss, you know. Um, yeah. Salami, salami, and um, and ham. Oh, good honey roast ham. I still, I still, <laughs> yeah. I still draw. So um, like a kid coming home from college, <laughs> we just had them home for the yeah. weekend, and they were like, "Okay, mom, we need food." So that that's what I was thinking of there. It's like, okay, I'm sick of these protein bars or whatever, whatever <laughs> kept you going, and onto yeah. onto the food. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're gonna go pretty soon here, but um, I have a couple more questions, and that's um, the first one being, am I? Is there anything that I haven't asked you? Because I, you know, I certainly can't think of everything or anything sometimes, <laughs> it depends on the day, but uh, everything to ask you, is there anything that I didn't cover that you want to talk about? Um, I would maybe mention um, the stretch we did through the Pamir, along the Pamir Highway, which I think was probably one of the the best stretches for me and one of the, yeah, I mean, the most special um, scenery that so we saw. So what is it? what highway um, it's called the Pamir highway um and it's it's a road that goes through um through the Pamir mountains uh one of like it's got one of the highest uh road passes in the world um which goes up to oh, 4655 meters um so what's that that's uh something like just 14000 feet maybe something around yeah. there um so that was it was tough being at high altitude i mean it makes it harder to exert yourself you know it's there's less oxygen and stuff but um it also provided some of the best views that we've seen um and like being up at altitude it's just uh big blue skies during the day stars at night and it was just special being up there i think beautiful yeah, I moved to Maine from Lake Tahoe, so I'm used to mountains and mm. things like that, but not ever biking them 
or you know anything like you're talking and i you know i just remind everybody listening it's not like you like you know are tooling around on a bike path i mean you guys really had some terrain to cover <laughs> yeah yeah um, um so no in terms of the terrain that's um i mean that i think that's a good point that uh, that's something i was going to mention um <clears throat> it was split up over the 10,000 kilometers of about, I would say, 70% on-road and 30% off-road. But by on-road, I don't mean a nice sort of American highway, Route 66 or something. On-road tarmac can be anything from, you know, a, a nice road like you would find in the States to a ragged country lane full of potholes and, um, you know, corrugations and I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, some of the roads were absolutely horrific. I mean, you couldn't even call them roads. They were so bad. Yeah. Do you, um, to everybody listening, and hopefully a lot of kids listen to this too, but let's let's just pretend some of the parents are listening. When, um, I want, I'm hoping maybe you could give parents some advice Sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? <laughs> Teenagers giving parents <laughs> advice. So we're going to go there for a minute here. And what's the advice when a child says, for example, and I'm kind of leading, asking leading questions here, but what's, a, what's the response when a child, teenager, college student, anybody says, you know, I have a dream and it probably completely is something you've never heard of, differs from maybe your line of thinking, anything you'd ever thought of doing, but I want to go do this. And your parents are apprehensive, in fear, scared for you, scared for them. You know, go go there from a parent standpoint. What do you hope parents say? Or does that make sense? I know it's kind of long-winded, but you know, what 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 can you teach parents and kids who want to do something like this? Um, I would. To be honest, I think because um, I know my parents were a bit reluctant at first, and they sort of. We're just hoping the idea would go away, but unfortunately for them, it didn't. So um, I would say if if your child's serious about doing it, then you should just help them achieve it. And that's what our parents definitely did in the end. Um, and I think although to a parent, you, you'd be really reluctant to send your child off cycling um, for four months or something similar, but um, we found it, well, I certainly found it to be one of the best experiences of my life so far and I mean you learn a lot being on the road and and one of the people on the trip said to us um this cycle trip's probably worth more than a year in a year in college um and I'd probably agree with them you know you find out a lot about other people you find out a lot about yourself and I would encourage anyone and everyone to do a trip like that yeah um you if I had, if if your parents were on the phone with us, what would they say? Um, uh, <laughs> I think Maybe they would. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they may well be. Um, I think they would. Uh, such a good question. I think they would. They would. They would be happy in hindsight, but I know for them that it was a big. You know, it was a big. It was a big. Um, you know, it was a big leap doing this. Um, um, you know, it was, a, it was a big leap trusting us and 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 and, yeah. and doing something like this. So, I mean, they they were as as I said, they were they were apprehensive, but um, I think I think they would say be open minded. Um, don't 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 off an idea, no matter how how crazy it sounds, without at least giving it a a, a thought and you know thinking about it in an open minded way. So yeah, I guess following on from what Will said, just consider things. Don't 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 be closed-minded. Just think about it and 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 make a decision based on the merits or the or the shortcomings of the idea, rather than um, having preconceptions of things. Yeah. Now I'm going to take this a little bit more here, and then I'm going to add something to it. But now let's let's take this out a few years and say you guys have kids, and they say, you know what, Dad? Here's what I want to do. What's your reaction going to be? <laughs> oh, that's a tricky one. I guess it's, it's probably hard to know. <laughs> See, it's back on you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be honest, um, I'd like to think that um, 
I would I would encourage it. I mean, I'll probably I'll probably be asking to join my child on the trip, I guess. But um, no, I would definitely encourage it. Yeah. Well, I've got. I asked you that because I have a child. Um, there, I have four boys, like I was telling you, and four young men, and they're all very, very different with very different goals. Um, one wants to be a professional baseball player, but the youngest one, he wants to see the Great Wall of China from space. Oh wow. So yeah, cool. talk about that. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness uh, gracious, really? <laughs> we really have to become like an astronaut, a pilot. A, you have to sit here <laughs> like cringing. And my, you know, the, they keep teaching me all these lessons. And one of the biggest lessons I learn is um, to, you know, because it's a natural reaction for parents to go into fear mode sometimes. Not, not all, not everybody, but most of us worry about you guys. And um, I've taught myself to place my confidence in my children like okay i've raised you to be you know competent nice <coughs> a good person you know make good decisions things like that and so i find myself sort of moving my confidence to them and saying you know i, I really trust you this is something you really want to do go for it and i i just wondered if you had that it sounds like you really have cool parents who ultimately put their trust in you guys yeah, I think I think we're both we're both lucky like that. But you you, you sound like a very good mum in that in that you you know you you trust your kids, but at the same time want the best for them. And I guess like any parent, and you know hopefully, God willing, that one day I will be. Um, you know that's essentially what I would want for them. Just um, you know just 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 the best. That's that that's all you can want really. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, because you guys did something that you know. Nobody's done it. You guys are, you know, that's a cool, the Guinness Book of World Records. You guys did this. You raised money. You, did, you know, you did everything right. So it's awesome. So I wanted to leave everybody with a, an Instagram post that you have, which your Instagram is bike tripping. And you wrote, um, you took a picture of this. And I don't know whose hand this is, but it says, to all those who cannot resist the temptation to see what is around the bend in the road. Awesome. <laughs> that, who, that, who yeah, that I think there's a... Yeah, um, it's it's a photo of a book. Um, I forget the name, but it's something like uh, "Biking the World Solo." So it was this, yeah. I think a man, uh, an American guy in the twenties or thirties or something, uh, cycled around the world. And I think, yeah, those are those are words to live by. <laughs> awesome. All right, is there is there anything else? I just want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. And I thank you both for being here. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we go? Maybe your website well, no, thank, again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, no, thank you very much, Elizabeth. And um, yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, once again, for anyone who wants to find out more, please, please send us an email or go onto our website, Beijing to Tehran, and you can find all the details there. Awesome. All right, yeah. it's been a, it's an much. absolute privilege privilege and a joy talking to you both and i'm so glad you you took time out of your busy schedules to come onto the show thank you thank you thank you and um best of luck to you i hope you'll keep me you know i hope you guys maybe follow me back on instagram if you didn't already because <laughs> i i need oh, the mom cool. love <laughs> but more so because i'll follow you guys because i just um i really hope the point there is that i hope we can keep in touch because, um, and however that works, I'm not going on Snapchat, but I am on Instagram, and you have my email <laughs> and things like that, because I'd love to keep keep tabs on you guys um, and see what you do um, for your next adventure. If maybe this, it looks like a great, honestly, your blog looks like a book to me, so I hope you do something like that. <laughs> and um, just best of luck to you both. It's, it's really cool to talk to you, and I'm sure you've inspired so many people with this. So thank you for taking time. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I'm now following you on Instagram, Elizabeth, as of 10 <laughs> seconds ago. It's really funny. The best, Thank you. best yeah. ever you know, following. Yeah. A lot of kid pictures on there, but overall, it's uh, but it's nothing like what you have. But I am going to go read every Instagram post of yours because I love all the history and everything. And I, I just think what you've done here is, is um, it reaches everybody of all ages with fascinating things. So I'm really proud of you guys. Really proud of your parents for letting you do this and supporting you and everybody who helped you do this because it's um, it's it's groundbreaking and really cool. So best of luck to you both again, Thanks, and Liz. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yep. And, and please thank wish you. your son good luck at seeing the Great Wall thank from space. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to 
Maybe you'll find that on Instagram. He's like, Mom, can I take pilot lessons? I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So you know the feeling. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And, um, again, go to Beijing to Tehran. Dot com and they're on Instagram at Bike Tripping. We've had a lot of fun. They've been such good sports with all my goofy questions and had some good history lessons in here. And we just wish everybody the very best. And um, I bet a child unheard charity would love your donations too. So please look that up. I'll try and get a link to that as well. But these guys bike for four months and raise money for them. And uh, we're all just super proud and super supportive. Of, of them and everything they've done and wish them the best of luck. So thanks, everybody, so much for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. And uh, thank you both again for being here. Take care, everybody. Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Network. For more information, just visit us at besteveryou.com. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.